What you want is the self-awareness and understanding and respect and tolerance and patience and learning how to adapt and be resilient to be able to really face complex problems in the world. Hi, I'm Matt McKee, and welcome to Cherry Bomb the Podcast, a series of conversations with people about food, art, and sustainability. Today, I'm speaking over Zoom with Sarah Demeter, the CEO and founder of ARCK, ARC, the Art Resource Collaborative for Kids. She has been named 2016's Extraordinary Women of Boston by Mayor Walsh's Office of Women's Advancement and has been selected for the Power Launch Inaugural Social Change Fellows Cohort. This episode is sponsored by my Sweet Blast series of photographs. I created the Sweet Blast series of photographs, such as Ready Pop, High Stakes, and Cukageddon, with a mission to start conversations in the room about bigger topics of food, art, and sustainability. This podcast is the companion piece to that project where I get to share with you some of the discussions that Sweet Blast has inspired. You can browse and purchase images in the Sweet Blast collection at theartofmattmckee.com. Please share this episode on your Facebook, Twitter, and all your social media so your friends can listen and join the conversation. Sarah, I appreciate you taking out the time to come on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. My pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about ARC? I founded or I created ARC back in 2010, 2011, where my kids attended Boston Public Schools. It came to my surprise that the school didn't have any art. Mm. Not only they don't have any art, but art wasn't part of the mindset, wasn't part of Mm. everyday life. So I set out to find artists around Boston. It was 40 artists. And I created an initiative was called Diversity Through Art to really Mm. expose children and to give them the experience to meet local artists, to interact with adults, with their parents. And a lot of the parents of the schools actually volunteered. So I had them join as a team for each class. It was 840 students. Oh my gosh. 40 artists. We took over the whole school and it took honestly the whole entire year to do the classes. The principal was crazy about the idea. I formed an arts committee. I had people from Harvard Arts and Education like Liz Byron, Scott Richer, and Marianne Brown joined the, the initiative, the art committee. A friend like Nicole Maloff, at the time she worked at the French Culture Center, and just few others. And at the time, Myron Parker Brass was the executive director of the Boston Arts Department in the Boston Public School District. She was really amazingly surprised that this happened at the school and, <laughs> and how you mobilize a community and bringing everyone together. And she was saying this kind of work should happen throughout Boston Public Schools. Absolutely. Why is an arts education important? I didn't have it growing up in Jordan. I knew that when I was in any situation, you're really stressed out and there's anxiety happening and there's trauma happening as a child. What I did as a child just referred to art. I found solace through art, hide in the attic and make the art. But art gives you this opportunity and the tools to be able to communicate, to really express yourself, to have a voice, to be able to express it, Mm -hmm. to allow you to be confident and brings out the self-awareness in you. And so that's why I use art as a vehicle to truly engage students and to help promote and educate them in a critical creativity mindset Mm. by supporting social emotional skills through the lens of social justice and equity, really using art as that vehicle. And it should be the core and the foundation of what education needs to be today.
I agree. I think they're being exposed to a lot of less than critical thinking, shall we say, through social media and through just the fact that they have access to so much more information, certainly than we did when we were growing up. We're not teaching for knowledge anymore. Yeah. Knowledge is everywhere. Kids can find knowledge. They don't know how to, to really be critical about it, to really be able to problem solve. They don't have the wisdom. And to know what is false and what, what's truth and what are the facts. Yeah. We just can't keep teaching kids to be machines because we are already in the fourth industrial digital revolution. So we need to teach kids critical thinking skills, yes. independent thinking skills, or all the human skills. And if you look at the World Economic Forum report on what the future jobs would be, many jobs will be replaced by AI, you know, artificial intelligence, and we have robots. So many, many, many jobs that people have currently that require kind of automation, yeah are going to be replaced. Who's going to save humanity and the next generation? Who's going to save the planet? Mm -hmm. What kind of generation are we really bringing yes. to this world? It's more than just helping my children becoming an agent of change to help my community and understand my community and surrounding my civic responsibility, then I'm able to make change in the world. And that's what basically ARC's approach is built on that, like kind of a three-module okay. approach. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your background? You did not grow up in the United States. You grew up in Jordan. I don't have the benefit of mm -hmm. the education here, but okay. what I have was really people who kind of were my lifelines, my teachers, the teacher in the senior high school who told me that I was creative. Okay. The education system in Jordan yep. is the same as here. Uh, and this leads me to how do we close the equity gap or the opportunity gap? Mm -hmm. It's basically opportunity gap and creativity gap to combine to give access to students. Yeah. That's why I focus on K to eighth grade, mm -hmm. because you want to build a strong foundation, strong system that the kids can actually be able to lead and be positive agents. Yes. So the ARC has three core ideologies. And as I read from, I think it was from the, your website, how to be how to do, and how to act. Yes. How does that work? Originally, I developed this framework based on the three modules, leadership, civic engagement, and social justice. Now we're explaining it to the world in a way that everyone can understand it and how it is applied. How to be is about yourself. If you don't understand who you are, and you don't have the self-awareness and the emotional management skills, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to know how to do, what to do. The integrated creative mindset, that's the vehicle, creating hands-on projects okay. that will help children problem-solve, how to be critical through that creative process. The third module, social justice, now it's called social justice and, and equity. It's really using social justice and equity as a lens to shed light on every thing that students are making. Yeah. So they explore their own rights as a citizen to understand what's happening in the world around them, how to act. Yes. They don't know how to do it. So we're teaching them how to do it, to understand themselves in order for them to act and become change agents. Wow. Wow. We don't teach kids how to think, yeah. how to act. What are you doing? It's all just memorize, memorize, memorize. Yes, here are the rules. Follow the rules. It's such an archaic education system. And it's in the Middle East and it's in the U.S. Interesting. Oh, wow. 
So the program started in 2011, which means now you have kids who have graduated from the system. 2012, it was incorporated, but 2010, 2011 was kind of the, really the initiative and the work. Okay. So you've got students who are graduating who may have been within this program for 12 years. Yes. What are you seeing? You see that these kids that gone through our program, they have more self-awareness, more emotional management more confident, are able to speak in front of their peers, in front of the world. Art is universal. Mm -hmm. It's no prejudice in art. It's, they're not judging you. If people wanted to judge your art, that's up to yeah. them. It's in their eyes, in their views. When you make art, you see it as something out in the world and able to communicate whatever that is you're trying to communicate. Mm. But the thing is, how do we respect each yeah. other? How do we tolerate? How do we promote empathy? Yes. Where do we find those common connections and the commonalities that will bring us together? If we see that, we'll be able to get together and have more peace. Yes. Art can do that. Creativity can do that easily. Absolutely. Yes. I've had plenty of conversations with scientists and technicians in the labs that I photograph in. They would tell me how they got to certain processes. There's always that little piece in there where there was an intuitive leap, where they were able to use critical thinking within the middle of that. But at the same time, there was something more to it. A lot of those people say, no, 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 I'm not. I'm just following the, the path. No, you are creative problem solving with these tools, which are math and science and things like that. But the creativity has to be there. It's not one size fits all. It's not a formula. Yeah. Maybe the formula is going to get you to measure a box or create a product to create something, but there's more to it. How the creativity comes in, Absolutely. how is that going to be helping the world? And that's where communication comes in, though. I think a lot of the strife that happens out there is through our lizard brains and about fear. No knee-jerk responses. That's going to be what's going to get us through here. We have to think through our problems, not just react to them. Yeah, yeah. For sure. You're an artist yourself. Yeah. And an educator and a parent as well as the founder. What is at your core, your personal core? What is the philosophy that drives you to get up every morning? Um, yeah, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I know there is love and peace in the world. Like I know there are good people. The children are good children. No one is really born to do harm. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I have faith that what I've been through with my traumatic life and experiences as a child, I overcame them just from knowing that there are people out there who really helped me. It's like a lifeline. It's really art that keeps my soul going and just gives me hope that there is a better world eventually and better humanity. Absolutely. You shared with me a video of the Syrian refugees. It was a fascinating video. It made me cry, it made me laugh at the same time. Aww. It was really heartwarming and a huge opportunity, I think, to demonstrate the core philosophies that you're talking about. Tell me what was going on in that video. It's really the three modules, really how to act. I was helped. I discovered myself. I learned about myself. I adapted resilience. Mm -hmm. From what I saw from the video, these children came in from Syria. Yeah, refugees. What did you guys do? So it was a storytelling through art. It was like a week long, nine in the morning till one. Mm -hmm. And every time I drive to go to the center every morning, like eight, eight thirty, you see all these kids are waiting outside. I'm like, wow. The refugee children. Yeah, they were so early. <laughs> 
everyone is holding their folders that we gave them like to their heart, mm. dearly holding them with their you know teeth and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and hands like hugging them. It just goes to show you they were really hungry to ignite their spark. They all have a spark. They all have imaginations, but it's dormant. It was an amazing experience. Oh, wow. One girl took me to the side and she said, oh, you know, I lost my family in the war. I came here with only my grandmother. Her, the ability to speak up. Mm -hmm. And that's what the storytelling through art really helped these children. Mm. There is an opportunity for them to think and be able to be creative and do something in their world. Like at the end of that whole week, we had a celebration. We all sat in a circle to kind of discuss this whole week and how did you feel and what did you get out of it? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And so many were just saying, I want to be a scientist. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a police. I want to be an engineer. When girls like, I want to be like you. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh wow. okay. <laughs> I was surprised. I was like, really? Why? <laughs> well, because you've touched them. It was just like, I felt I was home and I felt there were just my children and I can put myself in their shoes. You know, my family were refugees from Palestine. I know the struggle that they had in Jordan as the refugee family. Mm -hmm. If you could go back and talk to yourself before you started this whole thing, what would you tell yourself? Well, I didn't know how to really start a nonprofit. I didn't know what a nonprofit was. I didn't know what I was getting into. (laughs) It started as a volunteer. Then I couldn't put my computer down. I was like clearly passionate. And so a year goes by, a second year, a third year, and my husband's like, I don't think this is a volunteer. I think I think you're doing this. <laughs> this is what you want to do, and this is your job and what you're setting out to do. So it truly became just part of me, and I wanted to create a movement to truly reimagine education. Mm. It is a passion. I feel like when you have a passion you can do a great job, Mm -hmm. even though you don't know the skills and the technical skills that you need, but you just surround yourself with amazing people, with great advisors, with board members who can help you and guide you through the process. Who support your passion. But you have to be open to, when you have a passion, to allow others to support you and guide you. And that's what I feel like I'm taken out of this. Mm. Another friend of mine is an administrator. And his question would invariably be, how do you measure this? You know, math, science, and even English, you can go through and if check all these boxes off, you get an A. How do you go through and grade for how to be, how to do, how to act? You don't need a grade. Okay. The process, what the kids are going through. Okay. You create surveys and rubrics for social emotional learning and social justice and equity. Okay. In seventh grade class... Kids in the humanity class, kids were learning about symbolism and writing your own autobiography. Mm. But also they wrote their own poem and they did word blocking. So they blocked the words that don't mean anything to them. Also did a big public mural and it was Walls That Speak. Mm -hmm. It was around the time when kids were sent, families were sent back to their countries four or five years ago. And I just remember... We unveiled this plywood mural, huge human size, like 12 by 8 mural in the Boston Public School building, Mm -hmm. actually Nubian Square. 
at the time, the superintendent, Dr. Chang, and Michael O'Malley, he was the, the chair of the school committee. Yeah. And at the unveiling, students were allowed to kind of share what they have written. Yeah. And one girl started to read her story, and it was about her mother leaving, never coming back. Oh, wow. Leaving basically was deported. And, oh, my God, I couldn't stop crying when oh <laughs> it was so emotional. So, like, yeah. experiences like this and hearing these children, how do you measure? Yeah. You just can't. You can't yeah. measure emotion. Wow. What you want is the self-awareness and understanding and respect and tolerance and patience and learning how to adapt and be resilient mm -hmm. to be able to really face complex problems in the world. What is it that we want out of this check in the boxes and yeah. getting an A? What is getting an A? Yeah. My son wants to get an A. Is an A going to make you a better person? What is it going to make you? That's a very, very good question. A very good question. So... Grading alone is not, is not, not enough. I not agree. Enough. I agree. Yeah. At the end of the day, what would you like your legacy to be? And I'm hoping to really, truly promote equity in education and be remembered for reimagining education and building stronger and better generation to be agents of change. Nice. That's a good legacy. I wish you all the best with that. Thank you. Thank you. I think you're definitely on the path for it. Oh, thank you so much. The last question, hopefully a much easier question. At the end of the day, hard day working with the kids on how to be, how to do, how to act. What's your comfort food? My comfort food would be a quick and easy comfort food. Rice cracker with almond butter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really keeping it down to the basics and simple. Simple. Nice. Yes, yes. I like that. You know, kind of sustainable. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. I try. I try. <laughs> Definitely my comfort food is not hamburger or french fries, but will be a Negroni with a toast and an almond butter. That's awesome. I really appreciate you listening to this episode of Cherry Bomb, the podcast, the companion piece to Sweet Blast. You can browse and buy prints from the series at theartofmattmckee.com, as well as listen to back episodes of this podcast. Today's guest is Sarah Demeter, founder and CEO of ARCK, the art resource collaborative for kids. You can find out more information about what she does at arckboston.org. Please remember to share this episode to your Facebook, Twitter, and to all your social media so your friends can listen and join in the conversation. If you have questions, suggestions, or comments, feel free to drop me a line, matt at mckeephotography.com, on Instagram at mckee underscore photo, and on Twitter at mckeephoto. This episode of Cherry Bomb the Podcast could not have been done without the help of Suzanne Schultz and Canvas Fine Arts, the specialists in coaching for creatives, and editing by Bill Shamlian at Orb Sound. Thanks for listening. And let's start the conversation.